Well, Christmas questions are the, is the uh, kind of the theme we've been going through uh, last week and this week, and uh, we're going to wrap it up next week, even though it's the day after Christmas, that'll kind of launch us into the new year. So it'd be kind of a Christmas, post-Christmas uh, new year message. But uh, I uh, want to encourage you to turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9, and as you do that, I want to um, welcome everybody again. If, if you're a guest, thank you for being our guest. Uh, it is uh, an interesting thing. I'm telling you what, 2021 has flown by. And I don't know if it has for you, but for, for me and a lot of people I talk to, so um, I'm excited for what God has done in our church. We've seen a lot of things uh, happen this year. God has blessed, and we've seen people saved and baptized, lives changed. A lot of, a lot of stuff go on. And uh, all glory goes to him. I'm excited for what lies ahead. Whatever time he gives us left, if he gives us another year next year, I pray that it's even more fruitful uh, than it was this year. So, um, but I, um, I, I want to talk about this morning, which is interesting. And you, you, you can believe me or not, but I walked in, uh, I was working on um, just some uh, final details and uh, praying through some stuff. And I, I think it was Friday Morning, maybe, maybe it was yesterday morning, I don't know. I walked in there, and Michelle was, was in our room, and I walked in, I said, something just hit me. And again, sometimes I'm, uh, maybe not sometimes, a lot of times I can be really slow, I guess. Um, and uh, we had already had our, our uh, music picked out and planned out, and um, it was already set for over a week, and um, I, we had practice on Thursday night. The message was already for the most part, prepared and had practice. And Friday morning uh, was, was, again, going through everything and walked in there and I said, it's just now hit me. We're, we're singing What Child Is This Sunday morning? And I'm preaching the title is What Child Is This? And uh, again, I laugh because how slow that is, right? Because all week you practice prayer, you know the song's coming. It just never, the dots never connected for me. So, um, it, it's kind of cool whenever God shows up and, and reveals that. You're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Again, because these, uh, these messages, these questions have been on my heart for weeks. And I, I didn't talk to Brother Jim, didn't talk to Brother Tony, nobody, and said, hey, we want to do this song this week because this is what I'm preaching. Again, so I, I, I'm excited that the Lord lined it up like that and excited to see what, what he has for us this morning. So uh, hopefully you're uh, a little bit quicker than me this morning. And uh, not quite as slow. But last week we investigated, we kind of looked into and, and discussed uh, the reception of Christ. And uh, we talked about is there room? And um, there were those who had no room for Christ. There were three people groups that we looked at who didn't, didn't make room. And it was the group that was uh, inconvenienced by him. Uh, we talked about the innkeeper and other people who were not looking uh, like Simeon was, and Anna was, and the shepherds, and, and maybe even Herod, you know, there's, there's stuff we can talk about that as far as that's concerned. But, um, and then there were those people who were too religious. They didn't have room for him because they had their own form of religion. Jesus didn't fit into that. It actually, he actually messed that up for them. And then we talked about those um, who just, it, it was, they were too preoccupied. Uh, they were so busy in, in their life. And again, these groups, I believe, still exist today. It's not just um, those, those people back then. They didn't have room for Jesus. I think there's those same groups and maybe even more today who don't have room for Jesus. And from his birth to his resurrection, there were people that both directly and indirectly rejected Jesus Christ. 
There were many of them. And we know, according to Scripture, and we know in, in the world today and what Jesus said, that there are few who willingly received him. And again, this is, this is the case for today. And we, I pray everybody in this room is, is a child of God, has received Christ, and truly has had your life changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the truth is, I believe there are so many people who show up at church who've never been changed before. They've never had their life transformed. They've never been saved. They go through all of the motions. They know all of the words. They may even know all the songs. They know how to pray. They know where to turn in their Bible. All those things, but they're disconnected from a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, the questions that were asked in that video, you know, what, what would change in your life if, you, if, if God himself was in your life? Well, if you're a child of God, he is. He, is, he's, he, he lives inside of us. But again, I, I pray everyone in this place is a part of the few. And if you're not, if you're not 100% positive that you are a part of the few who are going to spend eternity with him, that that will change this morning before you leave, that you won't leave here in the many who are on, their, on the path of destruction, but that you'll get on that path to the few. So um, again, the question this morning, we're going to look at what child is this, the song we sang this morning. I preached the message before off the question, a, a question that Jesus asked his followers. He said, who do you say that I am? He asked them, who, who do men say that I am? Then he said, who do you say that I am? And uh, again, this morning, we're going to look at this wonder of God incarnate. Just an amazing thought. What child is this? And specifically, and more personally, who is he to you? What child is this? Who, who is he to you? So I want to pray one more time uh, and ask the Lord blessing on this. Father, thank you once again for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to open your word. And I pray that you just use me as a vessel, Lord, that you would uh, speak through me and that it would be you. It would be you alone. It would be you being glorified, you working in all of our lives. Lord, I pray that uh, each heart here, including mine, would be receptive to uh, what you have to say and what you want to do in this place in our lives. And uh, Lord, we ask you to do this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 9, but there, were, uh, but there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the nan, uh, land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. You shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor as the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in battle, in the battle tumult, and cloak rolled in, in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Now, you can read through this, and you can kind of miss a whole lot. I mean, that's a lot of words. We're talking about battle and boots and, and, and blood and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and then I get to those, those verses there where it talks about unto us a, a child is born. Uh, but you have to know a little bit of what's going on at this point in time in 733 B.C. Um, Tiglath-Pileser besieged Damascus. Um, as history tells that he invaded that region in Galilee, and Zebulun and Naphtali were a part of that. And um, this is what he incorporated into his kingdom, a fulfillment of God's gloom and, and doom and distress 
uh, was the result of this invasion and this oppression that came from that. And the only thing uh, that could uh, help them was the, the deliverance of this. Uh, the Bible says that the Lord would graciously turn their humiliation into glory. How? The question was, how would, would he turn what was a, a very gloom and tumultuous, uh, gloomy and tumultuous and, and bad situation specifically for that northern part of Israel, how would he turn it into something good? The answer was by the coming of the Messiah. Now, the northern tribes of Israel, we know, had rejected the dynasty of David, uh, choosing to go with Jeroboam, uh, not remain with Rehoboam there in Judah. And their salvation would come from the very one that they rejected, which is an amazing thing. And he said in, in, in this prophecy that this new era, after their deliverance came, would be characterized by great joy. The, the Bible says that the Messiah would, would not only free their people from, from his people from their enemies, but also from, from their sins. The child, Emmanuel, which means God with us. God's gift to man's predicament. This is what God said is the solution to man's problem. The, the truth is this about Emmanuel, this child, this, what child is this? Is both 100% fully human and 100% fully divine, fully God. The Bible says that this son would reign forever in justice and righteousness and peace would be the description of his kingdom. The certainty of this kingdom it's told in that last verse. If you look at it again, it says this, the zeal of the Lord will perform this. And I, I know we can get excited about a lot of stuff. We get passionate about our kids. We get passionate about, you know, whatever, jobs and hobbies and all kinds of stuff. We can have zeal for certain things. But there's no one in here that's more passionate than the passion that God has to accomplish his will. Nothing will stand in the way of God accomplishing his will. The interesting part of this is that in chapter 7, we know that King Ahaz, which is a king in uh, the southern kingdom of Israel, which we know as Judah, as I said a while ago, he had made uh, this, this arrangement with uh, the Arameans, uh, an alliance, if you will. And this alliance was this political or this military move to try to ward off the invading Assyrians, which is not something that he should have done, but he did it. The prophet Isaiah comes along and offers the king wisdom Say, hey, you should operate in faith and trust in God. You should, you should do this and not turn to your own ways. And, and what King Ahaz does is he actually turns away the counsel of God's prophet piously. Oh, no, 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 no. What the prophet does is he rebukes him and gives the prophecy of God's ultimate solution for his people. Isaiah chapter 7, a couple chapters before what we just read, it says, Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Make it deep as Sheol or high as heaven. And here's his pious response. I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. I'm not going to test God. I'm going to try God. I'm not going to ask God to show up for me. I'm not going to rely on God like that. I'm just, I'm not going to test him like that. Then he said, listen now, the prophet said. Oh, house of David, is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men? that you'll try the patience of my God as well. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Ahaz, as would all of the people of God, 
have to trust God indefinitely as Messiah would come centuries later. See, this was 700 plus years before Jesus would come on the scene. And this promise came of Messiah had, had already been in place. And this is being told to them. They would have to trust God looking forward to the cross, looking forward to the first coming of, of Christ. Just as we look back to the, to the truth that Jesus came, Messiah came, he died on the cross, they had to trust God the same exact way. In case someone wondered, what child is this? Based on, on what prophecy, how do we know that, that, that Jesus, who came on the scene 700 plus years later, is actually the same exact Messiah that was told in Isaiah 7 and Isaiah chapter 9? Well, I love the Word of God. I love how it never contradicts itself. We turn to Matthew chapter 1, and we see the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David the son of Abraham. If we skip down to verse 16, it says this, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, to captivity, there are 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon, from the time that they, that happened to Messiah, are 14 generations. Now, the birth of Jesus was as followed when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, before they had consummated the marriage, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, he planned to send her away secretly. But when, the, but when he had considered this, behold, when he was thinking about this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Go forward with this. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place, listen to this, to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And what was the word? Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated, God with us. And Joseph awoke, the Bible says, from his sleep and did exactly as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. What child is this? What, what do we celebrate? Who do we celebrate? Why do we celebrate, celebrate Christmas? Again, the questions that we're asking this, in this uh, video before the service, the, belief, the reason why we do this is because we believe Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, is the solution, not, not only to a rebellious historical Israel, but to the rebellious spirit, the sinful spirit, and every single one of us. He is the remedy. For all mankind. He is the solution, including for you and for me. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. John chapter 3, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Jesus, what child is this? So who, who are we talking about? Who is he? What child is this? Again, God with us, Emmanuel, Messiah, the Savior, the world, I mean, all these things. But I want to point out three specific and very important things at this Christmas time when we consider what child is this. Number one, he is God. He is God. Who, who are we celebrating? Christmas time, we celebrate Jesus coming to those. Who is he? What child is he? He is God. He is not a God. He is God. 
John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. This is Jesus. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Thomas later in, in this book, in chapter 14, asked Jesus after he says, hey, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in, in, in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will doubtless come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And Thomas says, whoa, 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 whoa. Lord, we don't know where you're going. <laughs> how, how can we know the way if we don't know where we're going? And Jesus said, oh, Thomas. <laughs> no, he didn't. He said, <laughs> he said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. I mean, we talk about, we, we, we want to do that. And, and it's sufficient for us. If you could, I mean, if, if that's the truth and you could show us the Father, then do it now and that would be enough for us. Again, this is Doubting Thomas talking. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you have not yet known me? Philip? I'm sorry, that's Philip, not Thomas. Thomas asked the first question. He who has seen me has seen the Father, he said. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that Father in me? The words that, that I spoke to you, uh, speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in us that dwells in me, does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 is the image of the invisible God, talking about Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. In other words, he is over all things. And in, all, and in him all things hold together. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, he is the radiance, Jesus, the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now, I, I don't know if, if, if those words hit you or impact you, but Look at them again. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. What is, what is the, the Father, the God, what is it? Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of nature, of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for, for sins, all sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus, what child is this? Who do we celebrate? Why do we celebrate this Christmas? Because, man, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God chose to wrap himself in the same flesh that he created thousands of years before. Why? Why would God do such an amazing thing who holds the universe by the words of his power, who spoke it all into being, who, who has all power and all authority and all dominion from now and forevermore? Why in the world would God himself, who is holy and righteous and not know sin at all, can look on sin, become the sacrifice for all sin? The Bible already said it, so that we would be the righteousness of God in him so that we would be saved. This child we celebrate, Jesus is God. And so when we understand and celebrate it like that, when we understand who he is, we have to accept him as he is. 
He is God. He is divine. But as such, he's also, as we've seen, point number two, Savior, Messiah, Lord. Make, make no mistake, Jesus is God. He's not part God. He's not half man and half God. He is holy God. He is God incarnate. He is God with us, Emmanuel. And he is Savior. He is the, the chosen one, the anointed one, the one sent from God, the Messiah. He is Lord, curious over all. I love Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Again, she shall bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Philippians chapter 2 is a beautiful set of scriptures here. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. Hey, church, we should still listen to these words. It's still the Word of God today. We should be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. That's what the church should be. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests, the welfare, and the well-being of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's the only way you can have it is in Christ. Who, though he was in the form of God, this is what Jesus did. He was, he was in the actual form of God. He was the shape of God. He is the, 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 the nature of God. That's what that word means, form. He did not count equality with God to be a thing to be grasped. But what he did is he emptied himself by taking in the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of man, the fashion of man, the, 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 the exact nature of uh, form of man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is over all to the glory of God the Father. If he is your Savior, if you say, yes, I know without a doubt in my mind that Jesus is my Savior. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose again from the grave, and I trust that his sacrifice, his blood is sufficient to save me. I have accepted that. I have confessed that he is my Savior then he also has to be your Lord. There's no disconnect from those two, Savior and Lord. There's no other way according to Jesus himself. Again, if he is your Savior, he is your Lord. And if he is your Lord, then he is Lord of all. If he is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Because as Lord, he must be over all. Romans chapter 10, verse 1, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer that to God is for them that they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Talking about the Jews. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own righteousness, they did not submit to God's righteousness. These are the, relig the religious crowd. For Christ is the end of the law for, for righteousness to everyone who believes. Moses writes about the righteousness that's based on the law, that a person who does the commandment shall live by them. You're under, under the authority of the law if that's how you're going to pursue righteousness. But the righteousness based on faith says, does it say in your heart who will ascend to heaven? That is to, to bring Christ down. For who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. 
That is, it's the word of faith that we proclaim. What is it? Because here it is, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart one believes and is justified. Justified is a legal term. It means you've been completely exonerated, completely determined to be without fault, completely pardoned, just as you had never sinned in the sight of God. For the heart one believes and is justified with a mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What child is this? He is God. He is Savior, Messiah, Lord, and he is king of kings. And so all that is, is, is all wrapped together. Absolutely. That's what we read in Isaiah, right? He's, he's a wonderful counselor. He's a prince of peace and mighty God, the everlasting father. Hebrews chapter 1, I love, love, love this. Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through whom also he created the world. By him, Jesus was a creator. He is the radiance. We already read this. The glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is, much, is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Today I've forgotten you. Or, or again, I, I will be a father to him, or, or he shall be a son to me. Again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he said, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, listen to these words. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Again, he is, he is not just a king. He's not, he doesn't just have some authority. He is king of kings. He has all authority. He is sovereign over all. As we saw in Isaiah chapter 9, for unto us is a, a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be on his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, his, his reign, his dominion, and of the peace that he has in this, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. Psalm 24, psalmist asks, who is this king of glory? He's the Lord strong and mighty. Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. What did it say in Hebrews? He's king over all the angels. Not even, none of the angels had that, had that title. He's the king of hosts, the Lord of hosts. The question I ask this morning as I close is this. Who is he to you? Who is he to you? And we, we say the words. We say the words, Jesus is my savior. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my king. Jesus is the reason for the season. 
he asked his disciples, I hear what you say people are saying about me, what, who they say that I am. But he wanted to know about his, his children. He wanted to know about those who were following him. Who do you say that I am? Who is he to you? We need to make sure this Christmas that, first of all, we fully understand who he is. And so, man, I've known who he is my whole life. I mean, you don't have to tell me that he's God, he's Savior, he's Messiah, he's Lord, that he's King of kings. You don't have to tell me that I already knew that. I just pray that we live like that, if that's what we know. I just pray that we really live like he is our Savior. That we live unto righteousness, that we live for, for his kingdom. I, I pray that, that we, we, we live like he is truly our Lord. Again, he, if he is our Lord, he has to be Lord of all. He is over all. He, he has the say in all things. He has the say in our personal life, in our family life, in our work life, in our hobbies. He has the say in everything. He is Lord of all. And that he is the king. Your king. We live in an interesting dynamic. All of God's people always have. We, we live in a, in, a, in a nation where there's a government and there's authorities. But we have one king. Amen. He is the king of kings. And I pray that everyone here has that personal relationship with him because of what he's afforded. He's allowed us to have a relationship with him. He is the only way to heaven. And this morning, if you've never repented of your sins, you've never turned away and surrendered the control of your life fully to Jesus, and I beg you to do that this morning. I, I beg you this Christmas, the, the greatest gift you could ever receive at Christmas time would be the gift of eternal life that only God can give you. But who is he to you? There are some in this place who say, well, I, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. But who may walk out of here not cherishing him for who he is, maybe just as you walked in today. And I, and I, I, I want to encourage you, don't do that. Let's, let's make sure that we cherish Jesus for who he is. In this Christmas season, let's make sure that we remember what child this is, what he did for us. It should captivate us. It should captivate our thoughts, it captivate our hearts, captivate our lives. It, it should do so much. It should, it should dominate our thoughts and our desires, everything this Christmas. And I want to encourage you to pray that this morning in this invitation. Maybe you, just, you, you come down here, you pray in your seat. God, I, I want... I want who you are and what you did to dominate my thoughts and my desires this Christmas season. There's a lot of busyness. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of activity. There's a lot, sometimes even conflict around this time. There's all these things. But man, this Christmas, we set it aside to celebrate you. I want you to dominate my thoughts and my desires this Christmas. Because if he does, I wholeheartedly believe that we're going to be wanting to share him with everybody we can. Who he is. Who is he to you? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be in this place and worship you and, and be challenged in your word. And God, and I pray that um, we would remember who you are. We think about the, the, the manger scene. We, t we sing about the birth and we sing, talk about the baby and, and what it all means, the fact that you came and you lived a sinless life and died on the cross for all of our sins. And Again, it's, 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 in some ways, it seems like it's just kind of the, the fluff on the outside of this Christmas time. It's kind of the, the little excess or the outside story of, 
of why we do what we do this time of year. And I pray that it wouldn't be that. I pray that you would be the very center, Lord, that you, who you are, would be the entire purpose, the whole reason why we even have decorations and songs. And, and, and it wouldn't just be something we do because it's this time of year. God, again, that you would dominate our thoughts and our desires, who you are and what you've done. And you are, you are God, Savior, Messiah, Lord, King of kings. God, again, that would just rule our thoughts this, this time of year. Lord, we move now on this invitation. I'm going to praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as they sing, I want to encourage you to come.